morning, everyone. Welcome to First Christian Church. I'm very glad to see you here today on this fall. It's going to be a wonderful day in terms of weather. I'm anxious to see it all come into play, and uh, it's good to have you here with us. Those of you in the West, particularly welcome. In the East, thanks for joining us here after your worship, uh, beginning of worship, and we're glad you're with us as well. There's some guests over there. I met them a few minutes ago, and it's good to have you all here. And everybody who's online with us, welcome. Uh, we're still figuring out all this COVID stuff, and plus what it means to have an online audience and an online congregation. So I'm very glad that all of us are here. Would you take your Bible, please, and turn to Matthew chapter 6. Maybe you've got it on a smartphone. If you're online, there's a tab on your screen that you can, tip, that you can push on. Uh, put your cursor on that, and we'll take you to Matthew chapter 6 in just a few moments. And perhaps we've not met before. My name is Wayne. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's really good to have you here. And um, looking forward to spending time with you in the scriptures today. I want to start our time together with a troubling story that came I saw earlier on in the week uh, coming out of Croatia. Um, you may recall that Croatia is part of the former Yugoslavia. It borders up against Italy. It's a small nation now. Yugoslavia was, was a bigger nation. I was in Yugoslavia in 1978 before some of you were even born, maybe even before your parents were born, but nonetheless, um, it was uh, their small nation. You can go across the, the Italian Alps and go into, into what was Yugoslavia. These days you go into Croatia. Back on September 12th, so just a few uh, days ago now, at 10 o'clock, a couple fishing off the coast of Croatia came up against a small island. Uh, the, the name of the island is Kirk, K-R-K, no no uh, English um, vowel in there, K-R-K, and, and they called authorities with a strange tale. They said that a woman was on the beach of that island uh, sitting on a craggy rock stuck on the beach. She had a, a bed sheet wrapped around her. The uh, coast was so jagged that they couldn't, you know, beach the boat to go in, and she was waving at them, and there was obviously something wrong. The couple aboard the boat had seen the woman the night before, I hadn't really thought much of it. Maybe she was out there hiking, whatever. But in the next morning, she was still there, still wrapped in the sheet, and with that, they called the authorities. And the authorities took a boat to the, uh, to the island. They had to actually hike in two miles to get to her. And once there, they found this lady, a 60-ish woman, uh, five foot tall, five foot four inches tall, speaking English. She had no, no sense of who she was. She didn't know her name. She didn't know how she'd gotten there. The fact that she could speak English was interesting. Um, her mind was a complete blank, and it was a complete mystery. She could see she had some cuts and bruises. They said, uh, the authority says it doesn't appear that these are as a result of an assault of any sort. It's just she's got cut while she's out there. They don't know what happened, so they put her in the hospital, and they released her photo early last week. And that's when the story first came across my desk when I saw it. I thought, wow, that's interesting. And I immediately, believe it or not, thought of you and me. Now, before I tell you why I thought of you and me, you need to know that once her photo was released to the internet, uh, by the end of the week, it was figured out who she was. She was actually a jeweler, as in make, somebody who makes jewels, who makes jewels for very famous people. She lives in L.A. She's as a jeweler to the Hollywood stars. But there is no, she doesn't know who she is yet. And she has no sense of how she got there or what's going on. And that story, man, before I even figured out, before they, everybody figured out who she was, it, it just, hey, that's you and me. You're going, well, how's that you and me? Well, here's the truth. Sometimes 
you and I are lost, if you will, on a craggy slip of a rock in a, if you will, in an empty headspace. Sometimes we're stranded, I'd put it this way, we're stranded off the coast of normal sea and best life practices. You know what I mean. There are days when you just feel lost. We don't know what to do with this decision or that decision. And in the midst of it, we, we can sometimes forget our identity. We forget, man, what got me to this place and who am I? You, you know, if you, I would suspect most of us here today, many of us, and most of us online perhaps, maybe not all, but most of us would say, well, I, I'm a person of Jesus you might even go so far as to call yourself a Christian. And if you're not and you'd like to figure out how to do that, we'd love to have a chat about that. Text to the church's, web, to the church's phone number, 217-875-3350. We'd be gl glad to have a chat with you about what does it mean to be a Christian and how do you get there. But for all of us who maybe made that decision already, there's some sense of spirituality within us. And in the past few weeks, other pastors of our church, while I've been on vacation, they have graciously and expertly taught us about one aspect of our Christian spirituality, namely prayer. And they've shared, frankly, some excellent information. And they've given great tips and great advice, all of it centered in Scripture, about how we can put into practice, how we can be people of greater prayer. But you're still wondering, how did I get here? How do I do it? Who, I, I know, you, you've, how, what's the language that I'm supposed to speak? It's like that woman who speaks English in a different place. I still feel quite lost at times. I'm, I know I'm wrapped in a sheet of God's grace. It covers me, yes. But I can still stand with a little more help. Well, do not fear, friends. The Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent of prayer is here to rescue you. Did you catch that? Bruce Wayne Clark Kent, Batman, and Superman, all wrapped up in one firm, trim, highly disciplined, prayer-muscled pastoral body is here to save you today. Wayne Kent, Bruce Wayne, Clark Kent, Batman, Superman, all wrapped in, in one space. You knew that just by looking at the frame of my body, right? That it was Batman <laughs> and Superman together, ready, here we go. When it comes to wanting to know how to have prayer, he's the guy who's got it made. Well, actually, that's my point. You, you laughed far too quickly at that, by the way, my point out. This prayer business is hard, isn't it? Oh, on the one hand, it's simple. But at other times, it's hard because we, we, there are moments when we feel lost in prayer. We, 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 know, we know we should speak the language of prayer, but it's like we're speaking English, and we're on a Croatian coast and, and a Croatian island, and we're, we should be speaking Croatian, but we're stuck in English, and it's, it's all a jumble, and... I want to tell you right now, I am not Superman or Batman coming to the rescue in prayer. Because like you, many days, I'm, I wonder, am I lost in this business of praying? We need a rescue. Pastors Brian, BJ, and Jonathan have expertly encouraged us and informed us in the past weeks. We've learned a lot. And we've learned who we should pray to. We learned about what we should put on our lists, if you will, and that's great, but there are still many times when my language leaves me lost. I need a cue card, a prompt, something to help me out. Jesus' disciples had the same problem, apparently, because one day they, 
they came to him and said, what should we say? What should we say when we talk and pray to God? And that's your question. I know it is. I know I need to pray. I know I'm praying to God. I know what I need to pray about. But what do I say? When my, when my mind is blank, can somebody give me a cue card? And Jesus does. In Matthew chapter 6, we read this. If you look with me in verse 7. When you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So in other words, you don't have to use a bunch of words. You don't have to use a lot of fancy words. But what does he say? This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Of course, we probably know that as the Lord's Prayer. And we use it regularly around here. It's the prompt language, the cue card, if you will, for praying when we don't know what language to use, when our headspace is blank, when the situation is so... Well, I'm, I'm lost. I was reminded of this just recently. Perhaps you were too. A few weeks ago, we, our, na our nation was reminded of the conversation that Todd Beamer, remember Todd Beamer? The conversation that Todd Beamer had with Lisa Jefferson, the in-flight GTE phone operator, when he was aboard United Airlines Flight 93 on September 11th, 2001. Do you remember the story? United Flight 93 was one of four, four planes that were hijacked that day. And once those on board the plane, they were, once they were hijacked, they were calling their families, and they learned of, once they learned that there were attacks that had taken place in New York and in Washington, D.C., they put a plan together to thwart the attack because they fought, they realized that they were going to die. And they realized that they were part of this attack on America. And you may recall, they helped crashed the plane in the field in Pennsylvania. Vima was aboard that flight. He managed to call to the flight center from the plane, and the call was recorded. And I've read that, I read that transcript so many times in the last few weeks, it's so haunting to me. His conversation moments before his heroic death is now on record, and he asked the operator to reach out to his family. He says to this, this operator, whose name is Lisa Jefferson, my wife's name is Lisa as well, and will you please express to her and to my three kids that I love them deeply, and she was pregnant with their fourth child. He said, we know that other planes have crashed into the World Trade Center and to the Pentagon. We expect that our plan is part of the planned violence, and we expect to die. What prayer language, what prayer words would you have in moments like that. Beamer had a cue card memorized. When his mind is racing, he leaned back into Jesus' words. And it's interesting to me that Lisa, Lisa Jefferson, the woman on the phone, she knew the cue card as well. He said, would you pray the Lord's Prayer with me? I don't expect that GT had a, GTE had a little cue card sitting on the, you know, in front of the operator's desk Say when somebody calls praying the Lord's Prayer, this is what you say. No, she knew it as well. And they pray the Lord's Prayer. And then the recording shows that Todd Beamer says, Thine is the power and the glory forever. Amen. 
And then you hear him say to the passengers, let's roll. And the plane goes down. That story is overwhelming to me. Now, I know that we're not in similar settings today. That setting on 9-11 was a grievous, violent emergency. Absolutely. But I'm also aware that there are moments in our lives, maybe for some of you today, there are moments when we are lost for words about, about what, what, what can we say to God right now? And for some of you, that moment is right now today. You're like the woman on the rock in Croatia, confused and wondering who can understand your language. Well, in those moments, lean back into the words of Jesus. When you're stuck in prayer, lean back into the words of Jesus. As a matter of fact, let's pray that prayer together. Would you stand together, please? And if you're unfamiliar with the particular version that we use here at First Christian Church, words are going to be on this screen. And I'd invite you, in this moment, let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be worked on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. Do you know what you just did? You just prayed the very words of Jesus. We say we're followers of Jesus. And you know, what would I say if, you know, what would Jesus do? Well, Jesus said, do this. You prayed the words of Jesus, not by rote, but in earnest prayer. So given that language, what that prayer outlines, what is it that we're bringing to God? Now, we could look at each of the particular asks, each of the particular requests that are in the prayer today. But for today, to conclude our Unstuck Teach Me to Pray series, there's one request that I, I sense covers it all. We pray this overall theme that's in that prayer, and that is, God, your kingdom come. God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, if you're like me, uh, a lot of my prayers are lists. I've kept a prayer journal um, since 1978. On the way to Romania, on the way through Yugoslavia years ago, I, you know, in, in that year I started writing in a prayer journal. And um, so I have stacks of these prayer journals. This one is the one I'm working on right now. Um, it starts on February 23rd of this year. And so throughout the, the past year, every uh, five, six days a week, I'm writing in this Saying, Lord, this is, my, this is what's concerning me. This is what's concerning my family. This is what's concerning my church. Um, and what I want to have come into the lives of the people around me. And there's nothing particularly fancy about that. And I'm not suggesting you have to do that. But I, if you, I, I make lists. And that's fair. But a major role of a Christian's life involves both expecting and accomplishing God's will on earth as, as it's completely honored in heaven. God's will is worked out in heaven, and uh, our earth 
I, you, we need his will worked out here as well. And, and so sometimes my list might say, Lord, I want this to happen. But God would say, well, that's not my will. So when we pray the Lord's Prayer, and as a matter of fact, Pastor Brian and I were chatting about this just recently. He prays the Lord's Prayer every morning. Why? Because we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How do we do that? How can we pray God's kingdom, God's will sort of prayers? Is there a mindset? Well, some, some observations, some responses to that. First of all, I want to live with an awareness that my wants are not always God's will. Part of praying involves choosing. When, when I'm saying, God, here's my list, I've, I've got to also say, and God, your kingdom come on earth as it's done in heaven. So, Lord, I want to be certain that these things I'm praying uh, get in alignment with your will. And, and the, one of the ways in which I figured out how to do that is to make certain or, or at least push in the direction where I say, I want my heart's desires to be reflective of your best will for my life. You know, what's in the best interest of my family, God? What's in the best interest of my life? Shape me to actually want that so that when I'm making my list... And I'm asking you to actually complete the things that you've already shaped as my desires. I'm willing, if I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm willing to give up that freedom to say, no, I don't want to be in charge. I want you to be in charge. I make Jesus Christ the leader, the Lord of my life. And if he's the Lord of my life, if he's the leader, then he, what he wants to have happen in my life is more important than what I want to have happen in my life. So therefore, God, shape what you want to have happen in my life to be my desire as well. Because there are days when my empty headspace puts me off the coast of, as I put it this way, off the coast of normalcy and best life practices. And on those days, I need to lean into God shaping my heart for his will. See, in faith as a Christian, I believe this. I am fully convinced that God acts in grace on our behalf, knowing what's best for us. Long before, Scripture says, long before we knew we needed Jesus Christ, God sent him. In grace, Jesus showed up, a gift to us. And that same gift-giving God is involved in your life today. Sure, my name might have some resemblance to Batman or Superman. I know that, yeah. Teased a lot about that when I was a kid, by all means. But, but that's not really me. Here's what I know. Here's what I know about Wayne Kent. My name is Wayne Kent. It's not Clark Kent. It's not Bruce Wayne. My name is Wayne Kent, and I'm a 63-year-old guy who is on many days, is still trying to figure out how to tie my own shoelaces. That's about, if I can get my shoelaces tied in the morning, then I'm doing pretty good. The rest is going to be up to God. So I've, I've got to live and act in God's grace, knowing that he knows what's best for me. And so to that end, I have to say, not only what is God wanting to do for me, but what is God wanting to do through me for the entire world? So God's kingdom, these praying these God's kingdom prayers means that I've got to go, that God's kingdom is a big, big picture approach. God's faithfulness is expressed in heaven and on earth, primarily, I would say, if not always, through Jesus' followers. See, his work and his will for the earth, God, we prayed today. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And God's will for the earth involves settings far beyond my poor impersonations of Batman or Superman. Now, my stuff is important to God. Yes, of course. Your stuff is important to God. I, I, can I tell you, if you tell me 
If you see me in the lobby, if you see me on the street, if you call me and say, will you pray about this? Do you know your name is on the list in here? I promise you, from the depths of my soul, when people say, will you pray for me? I don't just go, oh, sure. No. Now, I write it down so I remember. <laughs> Who are we kidding? But your name is in my book. And I want to say to that, if you ask for, say, God, is my stuff important to, to God? Yeah. It's imp absolutely important to God. And, and I want to make certain that your name gets mentioned before God. Not because I'm Batman or Superman in prayer, but simply because I know what it's like. We want to know that people are praying for us. So my stuff is important to God. And I want you to know your stuff is important to God as well. But I also want to know none of us are Batman or Superwoman, Wonder Woman. God is far more powerful than us in that regard. And I'm aware that God loves and cares for situations and people far beyond the world of just me, my family, and I. And as Pastor BJ so expertly mentioned in his message a couple of weeks ago, part of my prayer about accomplish God's will on earth as in heaven involves far more than me and at times far more than you. Can I say that with grace? Can you hear that with grace? I mean, I love you. But there are things that go beyond us as people, as individuals, and in this setting at First Christian. I pray about Afghanistan. I mean, my heart is bleeding in recent days. When that whole scene unfolded with those people in that ditch a few weeks ago, I couldn't sleep at night. I just, and I laid in the bed just kind of going, God, 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 God. It's a long story, but you need to know we have some of our people out. We have some more coming out yet, but I can't tell you more than that, but we have some of them out. I pray for our nation, for the U.S. I pray for the disappearance of the deep divisions of racial disparity within our nation. It grieves me. Surely it grieves all Americans. I pray for things that are beyond me. Like, I pray for the economic imbalances between those who have, those with, versus those without, around the globe. I pray for people struggling with COVID complications. Just yesterday, I learned a friend of mine from college was put in the hospital. It's not looking really good. It's on my heart throughout the day, yesterday and today. I pray for an end to the anger and bitterness that has grown in many people throughout the pandemic. I pray for our, the safety of our city and nation. You know, violent crime is way up in the last couple of years, way up, primarily due to the pandemic. Murder, the, the, the uh, rates of murder between 2020 and 2019, from 2019 to 2020, it increased 25% in the nation. Catch that, 25%. This year, Comparing 2020 to 2021, we're up 13% again this year. There's a battle in play for our city, for our nation, for our world. And I'm aware that in the midst of that battle, that Christians' prayers have a deep work on God's part. As Scripture states, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. God's kingdom expressed on earth involves a battle that goes beyond just you and me. We, when we pray about these matters around the world, Scripture indicates we're, having make, we're making a difference. That's why it's appropriate to pray 
for Afghanistan. That's why it's appropriate to pray about the violence in our nation, about racial divides, because we have a part to play in that. God's kingdom expressed on earth involves, includes us getting involved in that battle. And as we pray, here's where my faith lands, that I am certain that God's faithfulness is aligned with his best plans for our world and for us as individuals. Just as God has faithfully acted throughout humanity's history, I believe God is also acting in our personal stories. I mean, look at history. And you just see God acting time after time after time. I believe the same thing is occurring in our personal lives. And perhaps I could explain it to you this way. Uh, there's, there's an Arctic walrus. You're going, wait, you've got all this heavy language. Now we're going to talk about Arctic walruses? Yeah, hang with me, all right? This Arctic walrus seems to be making a name for himself in the waters of Europe of late. Blogger Dan Lewis reported just this week that a young Arctic walrus has made his way from the North Pole down to the Irish coast, and he's coming in and out of harbors in Ireland. It's the first time they've seen a walrus in Ireland for many, many decades. Now, they've recognized it is a juvenile walrus. He's looking for food, and he's looking for love. He's captured the attention of the locals in all those harbors simply because he's there. It's not every day you see a walrus in Ireland. Before long, though, after he showed up, the local residents began to wish that he hadn't come along, that he hadn't bothered to take on the title walrus tourist. You say that a bunch of times. That's hard to say, walrus tourist. Walruses are great swimmers, yes, but they can't breathe underwater. And so they can go underwater for, I mean, at least 10 or 12 minutes, okay? But then, um, alas, from the point of view of these harbors in Ireland, they have to come up with you now and then and get some air and maybe take a rest. And if you're a walrus swimming around an Irish harbor, you're going to find it pretty easy to find a place to rest because you're in the harbor there's boats, and so what do you do? The walrus, affectionately named Wally, started doing that. When he needed a rest, he'd simply climb aboard a local boat. And here's a couple of photos to demonstrate the point. <laughs> and suddenly, the harbor people, the boat owners, weren't so thrilled with Wally. He, he quickly became walrus non grata. Don't come on my boat. I mean, no boat owner wants a one-ton animal clamoring aboard. Some boats actually sink. And some of you are saying, how come we don't see any photos of those? Because they're under the water. <laughs> Thanks, Wally. Now, I want you to bear with me in this story because I need to tell you, sometimes, believe it or not, I feel like Wally when it comes to prayer. This is a video of Wally actually climbing aboard a boat. And I can identify with him. See, I'm not Superman. This is much more my picture of my body. <laughs> and it's who I am in prayer. I go down and I swim around for a while, and then I come up for prayer, and I really don't know how to do it. I, I don't know what to say. I mean, I I'm sort of like an oaf of a lumbering walrus. 
At times, clueless. Okay, I, I can get that fin up there. I can get that. No, oh, no, can't get, I'll try, oh, maybe if I try my left one. Yeah. Oh, oh, that feels good. Ah, I'm on board. I'm on board. Now I'm praying. The Irish locals tried to shoo him away, but that didn't work. So they devised a plan. They built a special floating dock specifically for Wally. Here it is. Problem was solved. They, it, if you can see that photo there, it kind of looks like, what's it look like to you? If that was in your living room, what would it be? A big, long couch, right, that would hold somebody that weighs one ton. And so now he simply lounges on his couch. Now, again, I want you to bear with me about this metaphor when it comes to prayer. Because I think at times, Wally is you and me in prayer. And I've got some new, good news for you. When we come up for air, God is always there. God, we've been talking about God's faithfulness. All the songs at the beginning of the service were about God's faithfulness. Now, I, I'm a little bit cautious. I don't know if I like the metaphor of God being the great couch in the sky. But I wrote it, so there you go. <laughs> Maybe it's not particularly appropriate. But Scripture does say this when it comes to us coming up for air. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall, the gall being just the sour stomach. I well remember them when my soul is downcast within me, when I'm feeling really depressed. When, all that, when my mind is blank, here's what I'm going to call to mind and therefore have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. What's the scripture saying? Come up for air, friends. Bring your concerns to God. Pray this language. God, bring your will into my life as your will is completed in heaven. Why? Because you are the God of faithfulness. And when I'm stuck, my shoe feels like it's got that gum stuck on the heel. You know what? I don't have language. Simply say, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray together. Lord, I get, we all get this idea of what it's like at times when we're trying to figure out how to do life and how to pray and how to be, have some integrity with what we're saying and we have these lists, and we don't know if the lists line up with your will. Lord, I pray that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, in the world. Lord, for Afghanistan, for our city, for our nation, for the stuff that's ugly, may your will of righteousness and grace be made known. And then, Lord, may that be known in our lives. Change our hearts so that our will is reflective of your will. And God, in the midst of all of it, may we remember and know your faithfulness. Your faithfulness is new every morning, Lord. Each day we get up, we start again, and we're reminded of your faithfulness. In Christ's name.